This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to the Total Saints podcast. We are the weekly Saints podcast, your home for all things Southampton Football Club. This podcast is being live streamed on YouTube, Facebook, X and on Twitch. And our podcast is entirely supported by our loyal Patreon community. Without you, we couldn't make this show each week. I'll have all the details on how you can become a patron very soon. Today, we are very excited to unveil a new sponsor. So a huge thank you to Pitta Self Drive for sponsoring this episode. Pitta Self Drive are a homegrown Southampton business. They've been trading since 1985. They're also lifelong Saints fans. Now, you might have seen their name around St. Mary's. They're currently advertising on the big screens. They do loads to support the Saints Foundation. And not only that, they also love this podcast, so it feels like a perfect fit. Now, they offer cars, vans, trucks, and minibus hire at very reasonable rates. They're flexible on short-term or long-term rental needs. They're always available to help, and they offer operate a 24-hour drop-off service. Now, they're offering TSP listeners 10% off rentals with the code TOTALSAINTS. That's all one word, and you can use the code when booking online or just quote the code when you're booking over the phone. To find out more or to get in touch, head to pitterselfdrive.co.uk or give them a call on 02. 2380-474-443. And if you missed any of that information, it's all in the podcast show notes and the YouTube description. So coming up this week on the podcast, two home games, two wins and two clean sheets. There's plenty to talk about. A decent 2-0 win over Cardiff on Saturday followed a less convincing midweek win over Bristol City. Going to review both of those games. And this weekend, it's a trip to Watford. Going to preview that one later with Peter Remnant from the Watford podcast, which is Do Not Scratch Your Eyes. My name's Martin Stark, and I'm joined by Alfie House, who's senior Southampton reporter at the Daily Echo. Glenda Lacour is the writer of the blog League One Minus Ten, and it's a welcome back to Fraser Spinney, who's a freelance journalist for Southampton FC News. Underpinned by our TSP patrons, this is episode 254 of the Total Saints podcast. Your home for everything Southampton FC. From dedicated Saints insight to exclusive interviews, 
live on YouTube every Sunday and available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Total Saints Podcast. Now, first up, our regular plug for our Patreon community, whose monthly contributions support the show. There are four tiers, ranging from £5 to £20 per month. And aside from supporting the podcast, each of those tiers has perks like access to an ad-free version of the podcast. There's exclusive TSP t-shirts and merch bundles. There's the TSP FPL and access to our TSP events, plus much more as well. Just a final reminder that we are doing a virtual meetup for our TSP patrons on December the 7th. That's going to be at 7.30 UK time. All the invites have been sent out to the active patrons in our top three tiers. So drop us a DM if you're having trouble finding it. Otherwise, we will see you on Thursday evening. And if you want to get involved in supporting TSP each month, just head over to patreon.com forward slash Total Saints podcast for more details. Again, all those links are in the podcast show notes and also the YouTube description. So let's get into the football, shall we? Saints extended their unbeaten run in the championship to 11 games with a 2-0 win over Cardiff at St. Mary's. Glenn, we said it was all about starting well. And to me, it felt like the perfect start. We were 2-0 up after 15 minutes and, and cruising to a certain extent. Yeah, it was it was a great start. We we clearly meant business from the first whistle. I think they'd, they'd probably, after the Huddersfield game, um, been a bit of chat about you know, complacency and and trying to avoid it and uh, and making sure that we um, we started this game strong, particularly as we didn't start the Bristol game particularly strong. So yeah, two new up in what was it, fifteen minutes? Two, you know, really good goals. First one in particular, I think the the club have already highlighted on um, on social media that it it starts starts off with the goalkeeper. Goes all the way down the left-hand side, and uh, yeah, some uh, nice snappy passing on the edge of the box, and then um, and it's a brilliant finish. You know, left foot from a right-footed player and curls it into the top corner. It reminds me very much of a goal that Shay Adams scored at Watford uh, last season, where you know there was just no back lift. It was the opposite, you know, right foot into the other corner. But he, uh, it was a yeah, brilliant start, brilliant goal. And with us this season, you're always a bit worried about how the um, the sort of like next ten minutes after a goal is you know, what, how that's going to play out. And we, uh, you know, we kept the foot on the throat and went forward and scored a second goal. So at that time we were two new up and, and the Cardiff trains home got cancelled. So they must've been thinking <laughs> we're, at, we're having a great day here. We're going to get beat seven nil. And I was um, joking when I said that was the biggest cheer of the afternoon, but it was certainly up there, wasn't it? <laughs> it was up there. It was up there, wasn't it? Um, yeah, end of the first half, we we did kind of let Cardiff have a couple of moments, which um, Russell Martin alluded to in his, uh, his interview after the game. So there was the um, the, the one where Bazuno had to come out and head it and the, the subsequent shot from that. And they had they had one chance where a guy stuck it over the bar from sort of pretty close to the pretty close to the goal. But so yeah, half time we 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 appear to have lost Glenn. I was just starting to wonder whether that was me or Glenn. Uh, <laughs> did you remember this, when this happened to you last week, Alfie? He could still hear yeah. what you were saying and we were all sort of laying into you. So yeah, we uh, kind of like him, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be nice and kind about him. Um, Alfie, I'll come to you next. We talked about mm. last week the problem with with one nil, but there was definitely that sort of purpose and, and style afterwards, which suggested they were determined to get that that second goal. They weren't going to let that happen again this week. Yeah, and I think to be fair, we'd have to be honest and say the Cardiff are probably the poorest side I've seen at St Mary's this season. Um, I just didn't think they really offered anything. You know, Glenn did actually mention just a moment ago, but they had a couple of moments. I think Carlin Grant missed a really big chance at the end of the, the first half, which could have made it 2-1. But Adam Armstrong just seems to be 
when he gets near the box or in the box, he just seems to be a, a yard quicker than every other defender. And it, that's exactly what it is this time, isn't it? It comes down from the left and I think it's Stu that puts it back in and there's a bit of a melee and he's quickest to it and heads the ball into an empty net. Um, I think that's what, like 12 for him this season. It's absolutely mm. ridiculous, mm. isn't it? Um, you know, I knew that, I think we all backed him to be a good level championship player because we know he is. But I think he's scoring at a rate that's um, well surpassed what we probably all thought. And I was, I was speaking to Franny Benali in the week for obviously for the column and he was saying that he felt that a 3-0, 4-0 was coming eventually. Um, and I, I probably didn't expect it this weekend, so I think I expected Cardiff to be set up quite you know, strong, resolute. But it could have easily been 3 or 4. You know, Adam Armstrong could have had a hat-trick. I think he, he hit the keeper with one big chance um, towards the end of the game as well. But I think most importantly, it was probably a really important week for Russell Martin because I think speaking to him this week, and I didn't speak to him yesterday because I was in the stands, I wasn't in the press box. Um, I was watching with my, my dead pint of Kingfisher. Um, but it was an important <laughs> week for him because he, he looked knackered. To be truth be told, I think it took the toll on him this week. Um, I think he was, you know, he obviously had the, the the sort of discussion with Adam on the radio during the week, and we then spoke about it on Friday. And he was really honest about the fact, you know, he's well compensated for his work, so we don't need to feel sorry for him. But he's tired, you know, he has to make sacrifices stuff like that. So it was just nice for him, I think, just get the double clean sheet, get a seven point week again, um, and mm. we can just start to look forward again with a, a few days rest. Yeah, another seven-point week as well. We'll get on to that in a bit. Um, Fraser, welcome back to the podcast. Going to get your thoughts on the game at the weekend. Were you surprised by Cardiff? I mean, they could barely keep hold of the ball for the first 20 minutes. I, I thought it was going to be a tougher game, certainly for that first half hour. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me back. Um, yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I could sort of echo what Alfie says. Now, I thought Al Cardiff and Bristol City, I thought Cardiff would potentially be the, the stickier of the two games. And, and it didn't prove to be that way at all. They were just sort of, what everything I expected of them, like like people referring to, of being resolute, hard to beat, sort of physical, they, did, they didn't really didn't really seem to have any of that. And um, I think we were just yeah, like we started fast and we were out the blocks quick. And I mean, once we got that second goal pretty quick, soon after I think it was four minutes between the goals, I think it was a perfect display of how much control you can have from playing this style of football. I mean, we didn't Cardiff were very poor, but we didn't let them gain any momentum other than that little spell before half time like the, the guys have sort of referred to second half was just complete vindication of Martin's style of football I think I think it's just Bristol City game was slightly different but this game where we had that second goal it's just all too often is, is elusive for us I think once we got that second it was just complete control and very comfortable afternoon's work oh yeah I liked how we set up I mean I still have concerns about being out of uh, without Suleimana for for this period because I think it does very much limit our options. I mean, Martin said after the Bristol game, he sort of stumbled across this this shape that worked. And I think Alfie referred to it earlier in the season about how Martin often reverts to a diamond. And that's sort of what it is with Alcaraz sort of dropping in off the front and Armstrong and Adam Armstrong and Che Adams playing a little bit wider. That's not going to work against everyone every week. And that's the worry is that I think we lack a bit of flexibility now because Ryan Fraser's not been having as big an impact from the start of games. And um, the other options are, I guess, Dozy playing wide and he's dropped down the pecking order a bit, not played a great deal of football for us lately. So I think yesterday it was perfect and it gave us so much control in the middle of the middle of the pitch. I thought there were some excellent performances in possession. But um I think moving forward, I think there's it's gonna be interesting to see how we adapt with Sulemar and uh, Sulemana out because um he's certainly our biggest threat in behind and he opens up a lot of space for a lot of players because players often double up on him, teams often double up on him. So um but yeah, in terms of yesterday, I think almost complete control other than that spell before half time where we just sort of slowed the game down a little bit too much and um but other than that complete control really 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 positive performance I thought 
There were a couple of um, players, Fraser, that, that I know kind of stood out for you, but I think, was it Ryan Manning that you were particularly impressed with this week? He, he seemed to have a really yeah. good week and, and he got a lot of stick taking those corners in front of the, the Cardiff fans, but uh, he, had, he had a good game yesterday. Yeah, I think him, Downs and Martin enjoyed that one yesterday, didn't they? Um, <laughs> yeah, I think he um, he's a player that, I, I'll be honest, I, I I think he, he like like everyone, I think he offers a lot in possession and he's very suited to the style of football I do have big question marks over him defensively but but yesterday he was pretty good defensively to be honest I think he made the most tackles won the most duels of um any Saints player I think he had four or five interceptions as well he was he was very good and I think he had 113 touches which for a left back is quite ridiculous really um especially in the championship but I think um yeah I thought he was really good yesterday and really really sort of positive performance and I think it gives Martin a really nice, nice, pro- not even a problem to have over this period because we're going to need Brian Manning to, to play their part. And I think they both offer very, very different things, but um, both have shown that they can step in. I think it's it's good as well because I think Martin's shown this season that if you come in and you play well, you keep your place, generally speaking. I mean, he does obviously tweak things tactically, but a lot of the time you come in, you take your opportunity and and you um, keep your place. I mean, Bree came in on the back of Manning's suspension after not getting a sniff all season, played five, started five in a row. Manning came back on a Wednesday, played played well, and then was one of our best players yesterday. And I think, yeah, um, he offers a lot going forward. He's good on the ball, and he uh, he was better defensively yesterday. I still I still find him frustrating. He doesn't stop enough crosses for my liking, but generally speaking, it was a very good performance from him yesterday. Yeah, there were plenty of standout players yesterday, Alfie. But I felt the subs as well. When Joe Aribo and Ryan Fraser came on, you were kind of like, well, well me it was like, oh, okay, here we go. But actually, lots of praise for Joe Aribo, and and he can be unlucky with hitting the just on the outside of the post. Mm. Yeah, he can be, can't he? I mean, look, Joe Aribo was an interesting one because Joe Aribo is somebody who. Um, pretty much every manager has defended to the hill, and you know, especially um, to the hill. Sorry, especially Russell Martin, because I think he sees him as a, as a great character and somebody who's good in the squad, and they will need him. And so I've actually quite enjoyed um, seeing a bit of praise for for Joe. And I think Ryan Fraser has probably um, he's probably done himself a bit of a disservice in the sense that I can't imagine he'll start many games now because he, he just seems to have a much better impact as a sub every single time. And if you've got that weapon, then you know why would you why would you change that? And I think somebody else who probably deserves a lot of praise for this week. Um, in my opinion, is Shay Charles and sort of Fraser talks about you know having an opportunity coming in and taking it and making it difficult to displace yourself. Will Smallbones had a you know a couple of niggles or whatever it is that's wrong with him at the moment, and um, Shay steps in. And I think that he's shown that he's got a lot of different sides to his game. You know, I think when we first saw him, it was him playing at centre half um, right at the start of the season. We knew that wouldn't be the case going forward. Russell might have said it was, but then we saw him as this sort of disruptive anchor role. Now he's playing slightly ahead of Flynn Downs, who's, who's got that ship settled. You don't need to worry about that. He's starting to express himself a little bit more in transition on the ball. Um, and yeah, I think he's somebody who is going to be a big player, right? At the age of 19 years old. He's getting good minutes now. And I don't see him taking him out of the team, even if Will Smallbone is um, fit and ready next Saturday. Just your thoughts on on that midfield, uh, Fraser, because I know Flynn, Flynn Downs is someone that, uh, that you've got a lot of respect for and, and someone that's impressed you as well. Yeah, to be honest, I mean, I know he started slow when he came in. He was ill. I think he's lost a bit of weight and everything. And since he sort of got into the team and and really got fit, he's I think he's been immense. To be honest, he's he's shown exactly why Martin was so desperate to sign him. He is so good at controlling the tempo, and he's actually I have to confess before he went to West Ham, I hadn't seen a great deal of him, and he's he's much sort of feistier than I, than I maybe gave him credit for. And he does love a tackle and he loves getting stuck in. I, I was very worried that he's going to get a second yellow yesterday. I have to admit because he got one pretty early on. And um, I thought Martin might take him off with 10, 15 to go. But I think it just shows how important he is to, to our build-up and to sort of maintaining that control through possession. And But yeah, he, I mean, like Alfie said, he's got that holding midfield role 
nailed down now. I mean, unless he's injured, he's playing every minute of every game, I think, or if I'm injured or suspended. Um, but I like I like the look of I like the midfield. I mean, sure, sure, Armstrong is obviously doing well as that sort of to the left of Flynn Downs, and then to the right you've got Smallbone and Charles. I think that's good options to have. I think Charles linked up really well with Carl Walker Peters. Um yesterday and and on on Wednesday actually and I think they've got a nice little connection going between the two of them but yeah he's a he's a real talent I think we've got good options in midfield and obviously Charlie uh, Charlie Alcaraz sort of dropping in and floating around suits him so it's like down to the ground as well he looked a bit tired yesterday I thought but he um he's obviously come back from Argentina duty with a bit of a niggle and then missed the Huddersfield game played against Bristol so put a shift in and yeah he um he looked very tired I think we had a few tired tired legs towards the end of the game or the likes of Stuart Armstrong sort of he, does, he doesn't play three games in a week so but until yeah. this season so he yeah. um looked pretty pretty pretty, pretty knackered yesterday but he um did well and I, yeah i think we've got a really nice balance in that midfield and it took due to sort of players being unavailable or just sort of martin figuring out his best side that took a while to settle down but i think midfield is probably the most settled part of our side now other than obviously small dropping out and charles coming in but two or three are uh, Stuart armstrong and flynn downs are probably going to start every game and then it's charles and Smallbone battling for that other shirt i think and charles has done I didn't at first when he sort of went into that sort of more advanced sort of eight role, wasn't sure about it, but he's looked a lot sort of more composed. And I think um I think he had a really good international break with Northern Ireland. I mean he only played one of the two games, but got a lot of praise off the back of that playing a more box to box role. And I think I think he can do that now. And I think he's um small by now we'll have to sort of fight 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 for that shirt back, and it's a good problem to have again. We are going to get on to uh, to preview the the Watford game very soon. Um, first, we just need to to talk about Bristol City. We kind of need to cover that off. Uh, I, I got a feeling this won't take long. A Carl Walker Peters worldie in the end was enough to give Saints all three points against Bristol City on uh, Wednesday night. Alfie, that was a very frustrating first forty five minutes, wasn't it? After that that game against Huddersfield, we thought we would see a bit of reaction, mm-hmm. and, and for forty five minutes, just something didn't click. Yeah, they're very lucky, weren't they? I mean, I've, I've actually sung the praises of uh, young Tommy Conway quite a lot this season, and sort of my friends on that, because I think he's a really, really good striker. But he missed a couple of guilt-edged opportunities. Um, I know Gavin made a, a save or two that was really impressive as well, but there was one at the back post, and it was a free header. Should have been 1-0. Um, should have been 1-0 again just before half-time, like I say, when he tried to round Gavin Bazunu. But they got in, they got in um, 0-0. And then I thought the, the other second half was totally different. You know, I don't know if... Um, City were just really poor in the second 45 or if, as Russell Martin believes, they were made to look poor by a, an outstanding Saints performance. Um, but ultimately, they got the job done. They got a first clean sheet at home since March. Um, and they look, look what that's led to, another one already. So, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't um, amazing, but Carl Walker-Peters, it was a goal worthy of winning the match. Yeah, absolutely. Fraser, I mean, it was a case of sort of grounding out a result, really. Not pretty, but when you take it into the context of the whole week, that's seven points again uh, this week, and and that's got to be a real bonus. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, I'd like like Alfie sort of revert, um, refers to that, I don't think the performance was as good as Martin maybe made it out to be, the second half performance. I think it was a good performance. We controlled the game, but like, yeah, like Alfie said, I don't know how much that was sort of Bristol City not not sort of pushing on as much as maybe we thought Did they might. Did it surprise might, um... you how they, they just kind of like sat back? Because you think they've, they've got to go for it because they had aspirations yeah. of making the top six and, and you know, they, they want to be getting something out of that game, but they just seem to just sort of sit back and, and let us control the game. Yeah, I think, I don't know if they sort of took a little bit of um from that Huddersfield game and sort of thought, well, the way to beat Southampton is frustrate them and sort of, and then um create chances towards the end of the game. But I did, I did think they um let us off a little bit lightly, potentially. I think we were... We weren't at our best that day um, on Wednesday, and I think we we could have potentially. I mean, that there could we could have lost that game. I mean, had it not been for Walker Peters and and Bazuna making 
an unreal save and and like I said, like I said he should he should have scored, but it was a very great save. Um, mm. It was two moments of real sort of brilliance that won the game for us. And other than that, we didn't we didn't really do a lot. I mean, there's not not really much of no else happened, especially well from our perspective. And um, yeah, I think I, w- I was a bit surprised of how Bristol up. I knew that I thought they would try and get in behind us a little bit more. I mean, they got a bit of joy from that, but obviously, uh, like I said, Tommy Conway sort of made a bit of a mess of it. But um, yeah, I, I was a bit surprised and um, thought it was. It was. It wasn't the most exciting of games, and I think um, that's almost the sort of part of a part of as a spectator that sort of some people in the fan base find find a bit tough is that it's not always exciting. But actually, I think it's um, it show, we've shown. I mean, this run of eleven unbeaten has shown that this this way of football, when played properly and when done right, is it gets results in the championship. Glenn, you're with us just in time to discuss the the referee from the Bristol City game. So oh, your, your timing is is, is impeccable. Uh, your your thoughts on Bristol City? Obviously, I don't know what everyone else has just said, so uh, stop me if I repeat anything. But um, yeah, I mean, it was interesting. There aren't too many players in the championship who dive around. It's one of the it's one of the best things about not being in the Premier League is players generally they're. they're they're pretty honest. You know, there's certainly not as much play acting, but that guy, I don't know what his name is, Alfie or no, Sykes. Um, Mark Sykes, yeah. That was embarrassing. It was absolutely embarrassing. So, the, the, you know, I mean, he went about 10 yards from that tiny little shove from Adam Armstrong. And then he um, and then he did the big the big roll and stuff um, when Walker Peters tackled him, I think. And uh, and we picked up two bookings from that. And it, it just seemed strange refereeing. Um, there seems to be a thing in the championship where virtually no contact will get you booked, <laughs> but a big launchy tackle <laughs> is dangerous. Doesn't doesn't seem to get you. Or if, yeah, I mean, did the guy get booked for the forearm smash yesterday on uh, on Alcaraz? You know, it, it's strange refereeing. It's still better than um, having VAR and all the all the rubbish that goes on in the Premier League. That that is without question, and that's a hill I'll die on. But uh, yeah, I've managed to ignore pretty much the referees this season. There haven't been any that have completely um, got on my goat. But the the Bristol City one was, um, I think, is Stroud. His name was, I think. Um, yeah, he was a bit a, a bit on the um, on the bewildering side. It's interesting looking at social media afterwards because the the Bristol fans thought he was bad. And yeah. and, it, and, it's, we he was and we thought he was bad. Um, I mean, I, I just thought that the booking count was was ridiculous in that game. I think we had did we have four, three or four. Um, yeah, but uh, it is it is what it is. I mean, we've always had, you know, going back donkey's years, we've always had officials that have been slightly strained some weeks, and it's just it's just something you have to you have to put up with from time to time and uh, and get on with it. But. I, Overall, I found myself moaning a lot less about the officials and the hmm. d- decision making this year. I think there's there's an acceptance that we're going to get some, and and we're not going to get others. And uh, I was I was thinking about the other day. It's maybe I could maybe think of three, four, and three against that would probably have gone the other way if it had been Premier League and VAR and all that stuff. And you know that that's the very definition of um, evens itself out over a season, which is what everyone used to say. So. Hmm. Uh, so I'm happy with it, and uh, yeah, though I thought the referee was slightly, um, slightly strange, shall we say? Um, yeah, move on. And you must have had a really good view of Carl Walker Peters and that goal, just from where you were, just seeing that curl in. You must have loved that. Yeah, I was direct, directly behind that, and um, 
Yeah, you could just you could just see it coming. The defender didn't get to him. Not not the best of balls from Adam Armstrong. There, I thought he still had a bit of work to do when he played it to. Him. He did have a, he did have a bit of work to do, but you know, Carl's probably got the best touch in the team. Um, mm. You know, with regards to controlling controlling balls that are fired at him, and and that was that was a great touch. But the the goal was made by the defender not getting out quickly to him, and it, it's like, did you not see the game against Preston? You know, they they must have known that when Walker Peters appears there, he's he's got a left foot. So, I mean, usually you'd be quite comfortable showing a right back onto his left foot, but you, you, Carl's already proved this season, you know, in a game that was live on telly, that <laughs> that he can do that. So as soon as he as soon as he went to shoot, I was I was up already. You could you could tell that was going to go in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's do player of the week then before we move on to preview the the Watford game. Alfie, I think you abstained last week because there wasn't anybody that uh, that was worthy. No, I, I abstained of, in error though because I should have I should have given it to Stewie and uh, I acknowledged <laughs> that when Glenn then mentioned it straight after or Steve. Um, but I will have to go for Adam Armstrong this week because he's just boring. He scored the goals, but I just think that he's just just find it so impressive the way um, the way he turned around. Obviously, the finish for the first goal after such an amazing move was unbelievable. Um, but he's just so much quicker than everybody else, I think. And he just always seems to be there at the right moment. So I'm going for him. It's going to be quite a long list, potentially, this week, Fraser. Can you narrow it down to, to one standout player from, from the last uh, two games? Yeah, I mean, I've just gone on about Downs and um, Manning. But I think, actually, I'll, um, although he hasn't had loads to do, I think I'll go Bazunu uh, this week. I mean, two clean sheets in a row. I think we conceded two in the last five. And I think he had, a, obviously, a difficult time last season, as did a lot of players. And um Martin sort of stuck by him and he's just so, for someone so young to be asked to play this way, I think he's so brave on the ball and his, his distribution has been really, really impressive lately. So I think he's had some crucial saves, crucial moments. I think Bazunu instead of shout. Yeah, and as we say, that that first goal yesterday, just kind of like starting from the back with him and, and, yeah. and that was exactly what we want to see from from Russell Martin's football. Glenn, um, who would be your standout performer this week? I'm glad someone mentioned Ryan Manning. Um, because I, I thought that was his best game for us by a long, long way. He actually looked like a, a defender who wanted to defend. He was getting out to the winger, and uh, um, he didn't do that so well against Bristol, but he um, he did it well against Cardiff. Um, I'm going to go very left field and, and mention two guys who who have never done it for me whatsoever. That's Joe Aribo and Sekumara. Oh, go on! No, absolutely, <laughs> because they both. You know, we we've, we've talked about substitutes before. And when Ryan Fraser was coming on and, and actually contributing something and, and making an impact. And I remember mentioning myself that when Sekumara gets his chances, he needs to actually do something, whether he gets given five minutes, 10 minutes, half an hour, whatever. And and he did that. And so did Joe Aribo. Now, the, the thing for the both of those is to is to do it again, is to do it next time. And then you're not seen as a liability. Then whenever they come on, you're not... Th- you know, I'm not sat there thinking, "Oh my God, not these, not these guys." You know, similar to James Bree. James Bree was was one that mm-hmm. I always thought was a bit of a liability, and then he came in, he played that game, and then he did well in the second game, did well in the third game, and and suddenly when he comes on now, you're thinking, "Well, he's a decent defender." Let's you know, let's let's keep that going. So, uh, yeah, Joe Aribo, I think coming on for for Stuart Armstrong as the sort of most advanced of the three midfielders, if you like, that's probably his position. And I mean, the caveat to this, of course, is that, you know, the game was dead and, and Cardiff were kind of just looking for the final whistle and, and starting to walk home so they didn't have a train. But, um, you know, so, it, you know, they've got, to, they've got to impact, you know, they've got to impact a game where it's, 
where it's close that's the sort of like the the next phase but you know the the pair of them i was i was pleasantly surprised with um, with what they contributed to the game against cardiff these are strange times that's two clean sheets at home and joe arebo nominated for player of the week get him in uh, who'd have thought that who'd have thought picture the scene all of your mates around you've got your mcnugget share boxes ready to go partner this with your team playing champagne football perfect order mug delivery now on the mcdonald's app there's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Uh, this weekend, it's a relatively short trip to Watford. And to help us preview that game, I'm pleased to say that we're going to be joined by Pete from the Watford podcast, which is Do Not Scratch Your Eyes. Um, thanks, Pete. Thanks for joining us tonight. I mean, the first thing we need to talk about is that wonder goal from Wesley Hoyt at the weekend. I, I'm not going to swear, but what the hell? Yeah, no, it, it was a delight. And, well, of course it was. We'd, we'd had a penalty saved earlier on to keep us in the game or keep it 1-1. And then uh, and then he wellied it from about 45 yards. And Valerian <laughs> Ishmael, our manager, and still our manager, because he always has to kind of clarify these things with Watford, came out and said, yeah, well, we knew he comes out a long way, so we've we, we, been planning to do Yeah, right, of course you had. Um <laughs> You know, in fairness, we played a couple of weeks ago against Leicester, and their goalkeeper comes out like beyond their centre backs. So I can I can believe that they they went well. You know, maybe give it a go, and he did. So yeah, Wes, Wesley, who is uh, he? He's uh, he, he quite likes himself. I imagine tomorrow he'll like himself even more at the training ground. <laughs> it was it was just a quote, like you say from the manager. He says, "I'm not surprised. It's a drill we face all the time. Like he's just pinging him in every week. Oh, that, that's not the player that we had at Southampton. We, we also <laughs> planned to concede the penalty, save it, and then the subsequent yeah, of course we did. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. That was one of the better games of the season, right? Um, a win away, a playoff rival. You you've got to be happy with how that played out. I'm, I'm I'm delighted at the phrase playoff rival, to be quite frank, because until that you know until we got that win, we've not <laughs> even been within. Crikey telescope distance uh, of the playoffs. Uh, we had only won one. I mean, we beat Swansea the other the other week. Prior to that, we hadn't won an away game since February. So we've now won two. So you know that's great. And we think things are starting to, to to improve. We started off the season really badly. I say really badly. We were we were four nil up after forty five minutes against QPR. But what we really kind of all went. Are they really that bad? And the answer was yes. Uh, now known as the Gareth Ainsworth effect, of course. And um, then we kind of just had games where we would play well, but just always miss out or lose by the odd goal or not break people down. Uh, we got right royally stuffed at Leeds. We got um, our, our, our trousers and everything handed to us at Sunderland, uh, but we just didn't turn up in those games. And then since not the last international break, but the one before that, that block of six games, we we went unbeaten, uh, three wins, three draws, but an absolute turning around of the uh, of, of of the Titanic that was our season, heading in the traditional fashion that Titanic seasons do. And, and more than anything, that's because of Jake Livermore, who's come into the middle of the the park. We've had him since the start of the season, but clearly fitness or whatever it was, uh, and, and he has 
he has played out of his skin uh, the gent. So we're now we're now nine games with one defeat, which was away at Leicester. So otherwise, we would be looking at uh, the weekend with uh, a fair amount of intrepidation. I, I, I would say. So you must be quite confident going into the weekend then, because, I mean, you're three points off the playoffs now, and if it's all starting to click, then this is a game that you can look forward to. I, I don't think confidence is, is the natural is, is the natural emotional state of Watford fans. Um, basically, our fight or flight or sack the manager mechanism is kind of normally set high. <laughs> um, and in this instance, we know that what we've got, I mean, what, what we are is one of those teams, and it could be like yourselves but obviously you're having a good season whereby that second season in the championship having come down especially as we'd only gone back up for a year we only had two years worth of parachute money so we've seen an absolute shredding of the wages and I appreciate you know nobody watches finance they just watch the football but it, it's making this particular team um, strangely, especially now this 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 turn of results, a lot more likable than a lot of teams have been for about the last four seasons, whereby it's been the football has been poor, unsurprising when you you know fire your manager every you know is it a Tuesday? Well, come on, go and fire and then and it's been sort of th- this now we've got a younger team, we've got a uh, certainly a less expensive team, we've still got some flair in there, genuine flair for the, for this division, and it's starting to be likable, but confident. No, I, I'd, I'd say we're still in the pragmatic camp, but we are starting to like the team first. Then we'll get to the, then we'll get to the overconfidence at a later stage in order that our hope is then dashed. Do, do you think given the, the new contract to the manager, do you think that had any any effect on the, the results? Because it was, as you say, it was a pretty awful start to the season and then they come out and offer him a new contract. You're like, okay, well, maybe they're sticking by him or is, or is that, am I just reading the headlines? Is there, there more to it than that? When you haven't got the money to sack yet another manager, there's only one direction to go in. We sold £50 million worth of talent in the summer. And I appreciate I'm answering your question indirectly, but this is kind of where, where it goes to. Um, mm-hmm. In Saar and Pedro, and we bought in £50,000 Paul uh, uh, Tom Ince. Not Paul Ince, thank Christ. But anyway, um, and <laughs> it was like, and then we've gone and bought this £1.3 million uh, Danish lad who does nothing outside of the box. And no, fair play. He started to actually... I think I, I could I could do some link up play yesterday, but very very basic stuff, and that and that's pretty much been it. The rest is waifs and strays, and people have been brought in 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 in, in that regard. So in relative terms, what I think the the management saw was the fact that we have had an absolutely chronically awful culture in the dressing room. You know, player power. I mean, you just have a look at the managers who've gone and you know, how mm. many times they've down tools and gone. Oh, I'm not going to work for him. I'm not going to play for him, which kind of seems understandable, really, if you know that actually your your manager is is basically on a temp contract you're probably not going to listen that much they liked what they saw he's a he's a he's a fearsome character you know kind of you know he's quite quite stern and straightforward he's got everybody on on point he bought them in a week early had a seven week pre-season all at the training ground no going away no expense just you know thrifty do it right and I think the ownership looked and saw what he's done and like what he's done with what he's got which is a much reduced canvas to to what our previous managers have been playing with but hopefully what we're seeing is a little bit more than the sum of its individual parts whereas over the last four seasons oh completely the other way around um expensive people who just got a half if they got asked to do something 
I remember those pictures of the Watford players turning up for preseason, and everyone's like, "What? You know, really? So early?" Glenn, what have you made of of Watford? I mean, we've had some great games against them over the years. I think last time we played them, it was that Che Adams goal that you you referenced earlier oh, yeah. on, wasn't it? That was the last time we played them away. Yeah, and and everyone, of course, remembers the the Shane Long goal after seven seconds or whatever it was. So. So yeah, Watford have always been uh, an interesting uh, club to play against. I I must admit, I've since the the managerial merry-go-round started with these with these new owners, I I kind of gave up following Watford a little bit because I never really knew what was going on, and that the managers never lasted long enough to make any any sort of impression on me. But it's interesting what you say about the the team being more likable now. That's um that's definitely something that happens when you uh, when you offload um. Uh, you know the the high wage earners that that got you relegated in the first place. Big um, salaries, you know, big egos, absolutely. Yeah, I but mean, it's the, interesting. The the thing with the managers, and I I always sorry to butt in, but I always have to clarify. That's right. Is that and people look at the owners. Is that as Watford, and I appreciate you've had a you know a, a long history. As have we. Ours has not necessarily been that magnificent, and you know we've never won a major trophy. Our our biggest um, uh, glory period was six years in the top flight under Graham Taylor, an FA Cup final, and two sem- uh, FA Cup semi finals. Since the Potsos came in and started doing this, you know, yeah, no, sack them, sack them, move them out. We've had six seasons in the Premier League. We've had an FA Cup final, albeit getting absolutely gubbed by Man City, but um, and two semi, two cup semi finals. So yeah. they kind of recreated it what happened about that four years ago was we we hit that FA Cup final and certain contracts and relationships sort of broke down at the club a little bit um there was supposed to be bonus payments that didn't make you saw people downing tools you saw a season where we you know kind of fell out the bottom of the uh, of the of the premiership and it was sort of mm, yeah okay that that went wrong because what we'd stopped doing was the other side of it, which is moving players on and get, bringing the next lot in because you've got to be a conveyor belt. Otherwise, if you're forcing players to either stay there or not giving them the bonuses, they're going to sit there and they stink the place out. And that's where it sort of went wrong. The first six years, I mean, we have to say, hands up, we went, my God, we've won the lottery. Um, and yeah. until we got Man City and Newcastle and went, oh no, we should have gone for the Euro millions. But, it's it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, I find it I find it interesting. You mentioned the word likable, and then um, we're all talking about Wesley mm-hmm. Hoyt uh, because he he was kind of symptomatic of where Saints started to crash. Um, 2017, 18, we bought in with the transfer windows from hell, bringing in him, Mario Lamina, Guido Carrillo. So that was sort of 65 million down the pan on nothing. I mean, Wesley, he was. He was at the physical attributes, decent in the area. That ping with his left foot, which um, which we saw at the weekend, but obviously thought he was miles better than he actually was. And uh, I quite fancy him for a mistake this weekend because he'll be he'll be keen to prove how brilliant he is. Um, and I can I can just imagine him doing something stupid like trying to dribble out of defence and show everybody that he's. Uh, that he's the next coming to Virgil Van Dyke, which is what he was supposed to be when he when he, um, when he <laughs> no signed for us. So, so we'll see, yeah, we actually signed him to replace Van Dyke, who we knew was going to leave. Um, oh, let's get another Dutchman in. Yeah, that, that works. He has um, so, come in. I mean, you understand what I mean when I say he loves himself a bit. I mean, he yeah, does. Yeah. Um, I mean, for the first three months, I wasn't convinced, but then I saw his wife, and that that more than pushed me over the line. Um, <laughs> you know, but but in this season. 
he's going to be up there for, for for player of the season or there or thereabouts. Um, he's been handed the armband primarily because our uh, our goalkeeper captain, which is a dreadful combination of things to have with the, with the latest ruling, because he's been booked about twice for running sixty yards to say I'm the only one who can talk with you. Oh, here's a yellow card, uh, and then he got sent off against uh, against Leicester, and he's he's been doing things simply, and he's been doing it well. So I hope he hope. You know, I, th- I feel like he's calming down. He's certainly, I think, getting uh, uh, getting very good reviews for what he's doing. I think he, he's bringing a lot no, to us in terms of leadership. And I think Jake Livermore coming in as well gives him another person who doesn't really need an armband in order to actually lead. And that's another thing that we've missed for those, for those years, definitely. Alfie, a full week to work on things for Russell Martin. That's going to be a relief after a busy week. Yeah, and after obviously losing a couple of bodies as well, I suppose, um, with Ross and Camardine. So I suppose that'll be a little bit refreshing. Um, I don't think it's going to be easy though, is it? Because you're just looking back at Watford's results now. I mean, they haven't lost a game apart from Leicester, which they conceded two late goals in. And it's Leicester who are running away the top of it. Mm. They haven't mm. lost a game since the start of October. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Um, I've not I've been to Vicarage Road before, so I'm sort of looking forward to the uh, the visit as well. Um, and I'm I'm quite intrigued to see what the front three that uh, Russell Martin settles on. So I think I can pick the rest of the team quite comfortably. I think probably all can. But it'll be interesting for, for me if Che Adams keeps his place if he goes with Sam Adozi, plays as a, a more natural wide man. Um, but they're going to have to come up with a solution because as we know, we're not going to have Ross or Camel Dean until you know probably the end of the transfer window. Um, so unless they get somebody in early doors in January, which didn't sound like the plan, um, we're going to be without a few. Do you agree, Fraser? There isn't really anybody that's played themselves out of the team this this last week. Um, it's going to be a few interesting decisions come two o'clock on Saturday to see who who slots in and and who starts up front. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, I think Alvi's right. I think um, the only run really is potentially sort of wherever you go, a dozy or out wide. I think I think where it's an away game and sort of what Watford might look to do. I think we might benefit from having some some pace out wide or someone that can some carry the ball a bit. I mean, Adams did. All right, yesterday he was he worked worked hard enough. He, he he didn't do anything remarkable, but he um he did better than he has done probably more recently. I think, but like I said earlier, and like I think Alfie referred to, I think that shape is not going to be used every game. That um sort of four four two diamond shape, and I think um yeah, I think there's there's places up for grabs in the front line, and be interested to see what Martin uh, decides to do. I think the other thing, Pete, is I would say that having your pants pulled down by trousers pulled down by Sunderland at Sunderland. Happens to the best of us. So. You're in good company. We're going to a football match in this scenario, aren't we? Okay. <laughs> yeah, hey, I mean, how are you? How are they going to set up for this game? What sort of uh, a game are we going to expect, and who do we need to look out for on on Saturday? We we play a four three three almost almost exclusively until um, in the last couple of games we've kind of reverted to a back five when we're when we're looking to hold on to the game. We did it yesterday, which basically gave everybody kind of heart murmurs, but they, they did it well. But we go with a four. You will probably see Hoot um, uh, as a left-sided centre-back. Undoubtedly, you will do, because he's the only one with a left peg mm. in that particular role. Ryan Porteous next to him, who's been a bit iffy, but done well over the last couple of games. We will probably see um, uh, uh, basically Hamer in goal rather than uh, Backman, because he was out for the for the Norwich game that we played, but he kept him out. And he's been talking about changing the captaincy because of the things that everybody's been talking about this. Right side, you'll see a guy called Ryan Andrews. Um, he's the son of a, a former player of ours, Wayne Andrews. Um, so, you know, a little bit of royalty there. Left side will be Jamal Lewis. So that's that's playing as a back four, but the, the wing backs get on. They also occasionally do that kind of inverted thing where we all pretend that we're, we're now Pep Guardiola, but we're really, really not. Yeah. Jake Livermore sits in front. Um, it's It's 
if, if he lasts 90 minutes, we look much better. He went off on 60 minutes against Leicester. We conceded in the 75th and then there was a penalty at the end. And it wasn't all down to him, but hey, you do the math. In front of him, you'll probably see um, uh, KMB, um, Edo KMB, who was a player who was brought in two years ago, hasn't really done very much. Um, and he's typically played in a more defensive position, but he's, he's playing in as a number eight, along with uh, a Canadian international guy called uh, Ishmael Kone, who hit a stonking goal uh, to... to turn it around when we were 2-0 down at home on Tuesday to Norwich. We play those two number eights pretty side-specific, and he inverts them all the time. So uh, Kone on the left, who's right-footed, Kayembe on the on the right, who's left-footed. Um, Imran Loser hasn't got inside of the team because he's a, an expensive luxury player who would be lovely to be in the Premiership, but doesn't seem to think that he belongs to be where, where he is, if that makes sense. Uh, wide right, mm-hmm. we'll see either Yasser Espria or, or Tom Ince in his name right um who they kind of rotate around you either get you know this colombian wunderkind who scored the winner by going around the keeper with a ridiculous oblique angle and he's like a poundland uh, uh, phil foden for me or you get tom ince who gives you a lot of professionalism and he came on and helped see out the game yesterday against hull who were who were really good to to, to look at and had lots of players to run at you and wide left uh, either Mateus martins has he started the season he would cut in and put that kind of curling ball into the far post and did it very nicely. But Ken Semmer, who most people in the championship will have seen, who's more of an orthodox left winger, that's given us more kind of get to the line and pull it back because this gentleman that we've got, um, uh, Ryovic, Mileta Ryovic, is a, a quintessential big number nine in the box, doesn't do much outside of it. So it'll be a 4-3-3 um, and, and kind of... Uh, We'll, we'll see how it goes. But I mean, hopefully it'll just be, I mean, I heard you talking about, you know, the premiership and the championship. Hopefully it'll just be good championship fair uh, mm. because that's that's the thing that that's made this more likable is each game. It's, it's people going blood and thunder. And, you know, if you score or you concede a goal, you're not checking the screen first. Makes all the difference. It's true. It's true. Uh, Pete, before we let you go, I'm going to trouble you for a, a score prediction, but I'll go around the screen first. So Fraser, um, you've got the honour of going first with your, your score prediction for Watford, please. Uh, I'm going to go quite optimistic. I think I'm going to go three clean sheets in a row, two no Saints. Okay, Glenn. Um, I I feel that Watford are in the, you know, the, the playoff chasing sort of pack, similar to Cardiff, Bristol City, Birmingham. Birmingham were at the time; they're not so much now. You know, I I feel that we'll be too good if we play properly with no complacency, um, and we go in and look to get the job done from the first whistle. I ju- I just think we'll have a little bit too much. So I'm going to go for a narrow 1-0. Okay, Alfie, your first trip to Vicarage Road? Yeah, I like the way um, Pete talks about the team. Too. I, think, I think it will make for an interesting game. I think they'll probably, yeah. like say, 4-3-3 versus 4-3-3, be well matched, I think. So I'm actually going to say um, a, a two-all draw, because I think they'll be, they'll be a good side. Okay, and Pete? Um, on our one, we ban. We don't let people say 1-1, so I'll say 1-1. Um, <laughs> freedom and the fact that it will in, in it will absolutely incense my fellow podcasters back there. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, one, one. Why not? Brilliant. Listen, that was really useful. Thanks for coming on and uh, enjoy the weekend. Good luck for the rest of the season. I'm sure we'll catch up next time we play. Absolutely. So, cheers. Pete. Safe travels. Anybody who's coming up. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Thank you. A uh, couple of bits before we finish, Alfie. Obviously, the, one of the big stories this week was Ross Stewart. And unfortunately, when the team news came out on Wednesday, I think it was, mm. and he wasn't on the bench, we then all started to ask the questions. And unfortunately, it wasn't the answer that we were hoping for. Yeah, a little bit of a, a roller coaster, I suppose, because obviously we saw the team Wednesday. And then Russell Martin, after the game, said that he hopes it's not too bad. Um, we confirmed then that it's 
you know, it's not an Achilles injury. It's not the same injury. So that is good news because he's not going to be another eight or 10 months. But it ultimately, it's, I think it's a hamstring muscle injury, which is pretty common when you've been, you know, you haven't been pushed for, for 10 months and you're really getting back into it now. And I think it occurred at the end of the um, the Huddersfield game, or um, forgive me if I've named the wrong team there. Um, so he's going to be out until the end of January, I reckon. And it, it is a blow, isn't it? It's, um, it's really disappointing for him. I think what Russell told us about it was that Ross really feels like he's let Southampton down. He feels like he's let his teammates down. He's let the manager down. And obviously, we all know that isn't the case. It's one of those unfortunate things. But I suppose the pressure of being that deadline day signing and having the £10 million spent on you and you know the fans needing you to come and sort of save their team can get to you. So he'll have all the support around him um, that he needs. But yeah, I think it's a hamstring injury separate to the Achilles, which is good news. Um, but it'll probably be till the end of January he'll be out. We had a very similar thing with Tino Livramento, didn't we? After he had a very long yeah. knee injury. He came back and then he did his hamstring and he had to have another sort of like minor op, I think, if memory serves, before he mm. um, before he got back to it again. And he's obviously flying now. As anyone who saw Newcastle's game yesterday mm. will mm. Um, will testify. So, yeah, it's it's just one of those things that occasionally happens after a long injury. So I wouldn't be too um, too down about it. I'm sure he'll uh, I'm sure he'll make his way back in uh, in good time. And I, I guess I was a question to Russell, sorry, Martin, that, um, that, you know, but obviously it could be seen as a risk signing a striker who is, you know, is going to be out for a couple of months. Um, and that is a good point for anybody who makes it in the day if you need the firepower now. But I think Russell's answer was that he wasn't a short-term signing. Um, it, all mm. the conversations he says they had this summer with Jason, with Darren Mowbray, um, the head of recruitment, is that they always circle back to Ross being the number one option. And yes, you can probably point to, to Joel Perot and the success he's having at Leeds. And I think, you know, maybe there is a case for that, but Perhaps the money wasn't available to sign him at the right time. And when the money became available, after Nathan Teller left the club, they moved on on Ross. But they insist that he was their number one option the whole time. Um, so they'll, they'll give him the time. He's on a long-term deal. And like like Glenn said, hopefully we'll see him back. And the way we're playing at the moment, Fraser, and, and these this run of unbeaten games, this is the ideal time in a way for him to, to get himself fit. It's, it's not like we're crying out for him. It would be nice. And yeah, we might have scored a couple more goals on Saturday had he been playing up front. But but we're winning games. So he's going to be allowed that that time. Yeah, I think there's there's no look, there's no point in rushing him back. We've spent ten million pounds on him, and um, yeah, there's no point in rushing him and let him recover. I think I do. If anything happens to Adam Armstrong, I do worry about the goals drying up because he's the only one that's scoring on a regular basis. Um, but as long as Adam Armstrong's in the team, I think we'll be okay. I think Ross Stewart is almost the difference maker in the sort of the Huddersfields, the Rotherham games, where well, we hope that's what we hope will be anyway. Is that that difference maker where he'll go and get the second or third? Or we're not because we don't. I mean. I say we don't score out of anything. Adam Armstrong and Carl Peters goals both sort of came from very little yesterday, but oh and, and midweek. But I think um we don't get those goals where we have to be very we always have to be perfect to score some of our goals. And I think there's there's a lot to be said for us of striker that can sort of just poach poach you a couple or or um be a be a bit of a box threat, be a bit of a menace, because we don't massively have that. Um I don't think Adams is really performing that role when he gets a chance at the moment. So I think yeah, I think I think he can buy the side. I mean, I don't think we'll like Alf, I mean, Alfie knows much more about this, but I don't think we'll go out and desperately try and find a striker in January. I don't know what happens if Che leaves, which is probably, I don't know, it seems very likely in January. But um, yeah, I think you can, we can afford to to, to wait for him and um, hopefully long term will be a very good signing for us. You have to take everything Russell says with a pinch of salt, but he did say that um, the plan at the moment is for Chairs to stay the season um, yeah. and then presumably leave at the end of his deal. Yeah, is that, um, um, is that Che's plan or is that Saints' plan? <laughs> yeah, well, that's a good point. They're two different plans, aren't they? I imagine. Yeah, yeah that's what comes up. 
the other news today, of course, Glenn was the FA Cup third round draw. Did you catch that earlier? Uh, Walsall it's, it's, it's not like was... Alfreton Town, isn't it, or something? Alfreton Town or Walsall, yeah. That, yeah. Was the, that must have been the game that was called off because of the fog, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. In the third round. I mean, that shouldn't pose us too many problems, he says, but... Uh... No, it shouldn't do, but it'd be nice if uh, it'd be nicer if the non-league side got through, wouldn't it? Because they're, um, they're, yeah. they're level six, so, you know, they're not even whatever the Vauxhall Conference is called these days, <laughs> National League. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, the National League North. So that, that's that's cool. So it'd be great if they got through and they'll probably be uh, disappointed that we're not a Premier League club anymore. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> two bad lads. So uh, I don't know, what what division are Walsall in now? Are they League Two? League Two. League Two. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I mean, it'll be it'll be an opportunity for the, you know, for the, Joe Rebo's of Joe this Rebo's. world to come in and and mm. and play, yeah. and we've got to do better than we did against Gillingham because um, mm. that was pathetic. So um, so yeah, but, but a home game makes it a little bit easier, obviously. Yeah, and I hope he, uh, I hope Russell Martin doesn't, um, you know, go with the eleven changes. I hope there's a bit of a a bit of a, a more pragmatic approach, and uh, yeah, Joe Rebo plays instead of Stuart Armstrong. That's fine. And Sekumaro has a has a game up front. That's fine, but yeah, I hope we don't go for the um, you know the the youth team option and uh, like like we don't care because we don't we don't want to get everyone to turn up at St Mary's and play pathetically and get knocked out by a League Two or a non League side. So uh, so yeah, it's a it's it's a decent draw. I mean, it's better than the draw Eastley have got, isn't it? Eastley. Well, we might get Eastley in the fourth round. Yeah, you never know. Do you? <laughs> yeah, they got is it Newport away? They've got. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I wonder if Ruben Sellers will still have a job <laughs> after that. <laughs> Knocked out by Eastley. Yeah, How ironic. We've already spoken about uh, a club not being able to afford to sack a manager, haven't we, tonight? Yeah. Yeah, I must say as well, good luck to the um, the women's team because it's the women's FA Cup, which is, uh, I think it's this coming weekend, Sunday the 10th. It's a two o'clock kickoff and they travel to Portsmouth. So mm. um, we'll be able to, uh, to talk about that one, uh, hopefully in a positive light next weekend. Uh, we haven't done this for a while, but as it's Christmas, um, we're going to do shout outs for anyone who leaves us a five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I mean, it is a, an absolutely shameless plug, but it really helps us to um, get found on the podcast apps and we genuinely do love hearing from newcomers so maybe you're listening to the podcast for the first time or perhaps you've just joined us in the last couple of weeks Uh, anybody who leaves us a review and a rating this week will get a shout out on next week's podcast that's a promise Uh, so head to apple podcasts find the total saints podcast and leave us a rating and a review on there and if you're feeling generous you can also leave us a rating on spotify and thank you we've covered a lot this week on the podcast thanks again to pitta self-drive for sponsoring this episode they offer cars, vans, trucks and minibuses for flexible short-term or long-term rentals with a 24-hour drop-off service. And as I said at the start, they're offering TSP listeners 10% off your rental with the code TOTALSAINTS. That's all one word. You can use that code when booking online or just quote the code if you're booking over the phone. You can find out more or get in touch. Head to pitterselfdrive.co.uk or give them a call on 02380 uh, Don't forget you can follow the Total Saints podcast on all the social media platforms. It's at Total Saints Pod. We do like hearing from you throughout the week, so feel free to drop us a DM uh, on any of the, so- the socials or email us via the website if you've got something to share. And um, we're also on Patreon where you can find out more about supporting the podcast with a monthly contribution. Just head to patreon.com forward slash Total Saints Podcast. Uh, there are four tiers on there that range from £5 to £20 per month, and each of the tiers comes with different perks, including some shouts to those patrons in the Francis Benali and the Mick Shannon tier. So thanks to 
Dave Melton, Mark Atkins, Andy Hollis, Anthony Thompson, Saints in Exile, Gavin Ford, James Harron, Nicky Nicholson, Southampton NY, and Drew Dyer in the Francis Bernali tier. And also thanks to Colt Baker, Dave Ernsberger, Ed Busy, Nick Higston, Phil Cook, Matt Rose, Nick Reed, Paul Stewart, Phil Horstrup, and Matt Hall in our Mick Shannon tier. Um, thank you, Fraser. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you, Alfie. Thank you for watching, and we'll see you again next week. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club, because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.